today. Uh, welcome to drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, if you are black and intelligent, then uh, throw your hands up, uh, say something in the chat. Let me know that you are, uh, that you are black and proud. Uh, this platform is for people who are black and intelligent. If you're not black and intelligent, then I kindly invite you to get the fuck out. Uh, this is not the place for you. If you don't care about black people and want to see black people do better, uh, we push each other to do better. That's how we do better. Like, that's how that's how you make it happen. Uh, what's up, everybody on Instagram? My or if you like intelligent conversations, then uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram. Uh, let me see. I'm gonna hit a little button here so I can see. Oh, look at that! I can see more of your comments now. That's really good. I like that. All right. So um, yeah. So so here's what I want to jump into. I, I just got back from the Ville. I just went down to Louisville. Uh, shout out to Brianna Taylor and her family. Brianna just got a big old big old paycheck. Uh, or her family got a big paycheck for about $12 million, I believe. And uh, I don't know, I, I imagine that that's probably not enough for a lot of people. Um, and I don't blame you if you feel that way. I mean, I think that $12 million, while it is a lot of money, uh, it does not make up for human life. We know this, right? We know that a human life is worth an infinite amount of money. Uh, but, you know, hey, I've had loved ones die and we didn't get nothing. We got debt. We got bills, <laughs> more bills to pay. So I'm not sitting there trying to say that it's uh, that, that we should just be happy with the money or anything like that. Um, I do think that that money for the Breonna Taylor family is not the same as, you know, as justice for the entire black community. Uh, I spoke on this recently and I was encouraging you guys to consider that we must focus on the systemic over the symbolic what you're dealing with, what you're confronted with here when you're talking about, you know, Breonna Taylor situations, uh, Jacob Blake, et cetera, you're talking about a system-wide issue. You're not talking about a specific or what we call in finance, we call this idiosyncratic. Idiosyncratic is a one-off. Idiosyncratic is a bad apple. Idiosyncratic is one situation between one person and one cop. Um, I don't really, I, I honestly am not so interested in that because when you focus on one situation and you're not looking at the system, then a whole lot of stuff gets by you because you're caught up in the symbolism. So uh, if everybody can kind of let me know, give me a yes in the chat that you follow what I'm saying. I think we need to look at systemic over symbolic. Systemic over symbolic doesn't mean that Breonna Taylor's life doesn't matter. doesn't mean that Jacob Blake doesn't matter. doesn't mean that any individual situation doesn't matter. It just means that they all matter. So, so maybe that's my way of saying all Black lives matter. All Black lives matter. I hope that's okay for me to say that, right? It's not all Lives Matter. It's not Black Lives Matter because I'm not joining Black Lives Matter. Fuck that. Black Lives Matter is an organization that is designed to give you a rope-a-dope. Black Lives Matter to me is not an organization that is, represents what they claim to represent. Black Lives Matter, unfortunately, uh, if they're not careful, can be perceived as an organization that is utilizing the struggle of Black people, that's, that's leaning on the trauma of Black people to allow them to pursue what appears to be a very leftist, Antifa-style agenda. I'm not hating on Antifa. I'm not hating on leftism. I'm not hating on liberalism, but I'm not no liberal. I'm not a liberal. I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'm conservative or not, but I'm not I'm not a Republican. So I'm kind of a, a, a political orphan. That's what I am. I'm just 100% Black. So I'm not voting for Democrats. I'm not voting for Republicans. I'm voting for Black people. And I will be voting for Black people in every election. Every election that we have, I will be voting for Black people. So if you want to know who I'm voting for in the next election, just know I, whatever day I vote every day and every day I vote for Black people. I vote for Black women. I vote for Black men. Uh, that's what I care about. I don't really care about anybody else's issues. I ain't got time for all that cross-sectionality, all this other bullshit. Like, I, I want black first. B1. Hashtag B1 in the chat. Put a hashtag B1 in the chat if you agree with me, if you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, and I agree. Another hashtag that I really like is cut the check. Stop trying to make us feel good and cut the damn check. Stop painting Black Lives Matter on the street. Just cut the check. 
Hey, stop, don't don't tell us how much you like us. Cut the check. Don't send me a video of a white man kissing black people's feet. Cut the check. I don't, you know, don't don't just write a check to Brian Bri, Bri, Brianna Taylor's family. I mean, she deserves that money, right? She deserves to get paid. Write a check to everybody. Write the real check. I want the real check. I want the big check. I want the big, the the multi-trillion dollar check. I don't want these little police Ben Crump payoffs. Like Ben Crump, God bless him. I mean, you know, he's going and he's drawing attention to important issues. No, no, no doubt about that. But Benjamin Crump, you know, the it's 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 unfortunately it can come off as almost like an ambulance t- chasing exercise. Like, okay, which black person is going to be shot this week? In which case are we going to then make the the national you know case of the week? And and everybody's going to focus on that. And all the while, just pay attention now. I'm gonna get to Chris Rock in a second, but all all the while, everybody's focused on that one case and that one situation where where it's going to be another, you know, another settlement or whatever. All the while, there are so many people, there are little children being shot in the hood. There are black people being murdered by all kinds of people. Uh, there is all kinds of suffering going on. And you're missing all of that because you're paying attention to one situation that white people have chosen to make their story of the week so that they can get elected, by the way. Just make no mistake about it. This is all about the election. If, if it wasn't an election year, they probably wouldn't halfway give a fuck about you. But they but they tend to show up and love you uh, right before the election, almost like a like a frat boy showing up for a piece of ass on a Friday night. Like that, that's, what, that's what they show up. They show up and, and show you how much they love you when they need you. And then when they don't need you anymore, they're going to kick you out the front door and they're going to say there's no holes in this house. So take your WAP and get the fuck out. So that's what they do. You are political WAP. You are wet ass politics. That's what you are. You are a piece of WAP for $1.99 and they, and they see you that way. That's how they see us. So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't done it yet, please take one second and please hit that thumbs up, up button. So we can talk about Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Um, I don't know Chris. I know his brother. Chris's brother came to, uh, well, we were shooting a movie called the black love blueprint in Brooklyn. And when we were shooting this movie, Chris Rock's brother, I think it wasn't Tony. It was another brother, maybe the brother, the unfamous brother. I don't know. But he came up and he, he wanted to talk to me and I talked to him and he was a nice guy. And uh, but I never met Chris, uh, but I, I've always respected Chris. I, I like Chris because Chris and Dave Chappelle are two guys. Those are the only two comedians I can think of that I would actually ever really want to talk to. I don't really know what I'd have to talk to Eddie Murphy about. Honestly, I like him, but I don't think we have anything in common. I don't know what I would talk to Martin Lawrence about. Uh, I don't know what I talked to Kevin Hart about. I, I I like Kevin. I think he's smart. I just don't know what we have in common, you know, because I, you know, I just, we're just not the same guy, but Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are two guys I would actually enjoy a conversation with because I think those guys have lots of courage. You know, I like, they have courage and intelligence, uh, courage and intelligence. Dave Chappelle did one of what I consider to be the, one of the most epic performances ever when he did that Netflix special where he basically told everybody to kiss his black ass when he came in there and really told the truth and didn't care what people thought and literally broke the ice on a conversation that needed to be had about how political correctness is being shoved down people's throats I thought Dave Chappelle actually had one of the greatest most powerful performances in the history of all comedy right up there with with any of the greatest performances ever so uh so Chris Rock to me is in that same vein uh when he's doing when he's at his best uh and and so Chris did a really interesting interview um, with the New York Times, and he talked a lot about politics and uh, talked about this country that we live in. This country is very, very divided. Uh, it's it's broken into little pieces. I personally think that this is, if you really want to know what really goes through my mind, you know, I, I have to just tell you guys the truth in terms of what I'm thinking. I think that this is not an accident. I think that there is somebody working to destroy the United States by taking pre-existing wounds and really, really just throwing salt on those wounds. Like, I, I really think that there are people that don't want 
Um, they, they don't want the Trump supporters talking to the liberals and the liberals talking to the Trump supporters. They just want people throwing bricks and shooting guns and busting out each other's windows and blowing up buildings. It, eventually, it, it escalates to that, just in case you, you don't know. If, you've look, if you study the history of other countries, this is how it starts. It starts with a little bump here and there. Then, and, then, and then somebody, next thing you know, somebody gets shot in the head, right, which has already occurred. And then, and then there are some people who say, oh, no, this is too much. But then there are those people who say, well, you know, you know it's a, it's a, it's a, well, he, if he didn't want to get shot in the head, he shouldn't be siding with the such and such, right? Well, I'm going to just tell you the honest God truth. I don't really, I did not feel good when those cops got shot. I didn't like it. I, you know, but then again, maybe I'm biased. My daddy was a cop. My daddy was a cop. And if somebody had rolled up on my daddy and put a bullet in his head just because he had on a uniform, Oh, I you revenge would be had. I would hunt you down for the rest of my life. It would be a problem, right? So I personally think that we as a community have to decide where you stand. Like, what, what, when is, when is, you know, what's too much? You know, what is too much? I mean, seriously, it, it, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, so I like, so, so Chris Rock. You know, he's far more diplomatic than me. Uh, he's a comedian. He knows how to, uh, he and Dave Chappelle are absolute masters at saying things that are very heavy and important and serious, but saying them in a way that you can receive them better because they make you laugh at the same time. Studies show that laughter makes your brain absorb information just much more effectively. So comedians, actually, many of them are just, are actually undercover geniuses. Like, so guys like Chappelle and Rock, very smart, as smart as scholars in, in many, many ways. And uh, one of the things that he brought up that I thought was really interesting is uh, he starts talking about um, this movie, The Last Emperor. And here's what, here's what I'm going to read this straight from Yahoo, and then we can kind of talk about it. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. Um, okay. So Chris Rock isn't exactly a surprise about what's going on in America right now. In a wide-ranging interview with the New York Times, the Fargo star, so he's doing the interview now because he's about to, he's doing the show Fargo. Fargo's a good show, by the way. Me and Alicia watch it, so just want to throw it in there. Uh, he discussed everything from President Trump to the racial reckoning prompted by the killing of George Floyd. He says this isn't. He said this is the second great civil rights movement. Uh, Rock recently performed a stand-up set for a socially distant audience. Uh, and he says, uh, America, he explained to the Times, part of the reason that we're in the predicament we're in is because the president's a landlord. No one has less compassion for humans than a landlord. And we're shocked that he's not engaged. Well, that is true. That is, that is true. Some of y'all want y'all, I think y'all should be landlords. I do think you should be landlords. But, you know, Trump is a bad landlord. He's not a, he's not a nice guy. He says, did you ever see that movie, The Last Emperor, where like a five-year-old is the emperor of China? There's a kid and he's the king. So I'm like, it's all the Democrats' fault because you knew the emperor was five years old. And when the emperor is five years old, they only lead in theory. There's usually an adult who, who's like, okay, this is what we're really going to do. And it was totally up to Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. Their thing was, we're going to let him get impeached, or we're going to get him impeached, which was never going to happen. You let the pandemic come in. Yes, we can blame Trump, but he's really the five-year-old. Now, I'm not sure how to interpret that. I don't know if I interpret that as him blaming the Democrats uh, for the pandemic. I, I don't think that that is what he's saying. Um, I don't know if it's serious or if that's a joke. I mean, it's a joke, but I'm trying to find the seriousness there. I mean, did he expect that Pelosi could force Trump to do the right thing? I don't, I don't see that as being practical. I'm going to say that. I don't see that as being practical. But what I do see is... I think all this pandemic shit was blown out of proportion. I really do. It doesn't mean it wasn't real, but I think that they, there's a million things killing people every single day. There are 7,000, over 7,000 people die every single day in the United States for various reasons. Every single day, 7,000 people die just because it's a Tuesday, just because it's a Friday. 7,000 people die every single day. Now, here's what 
uh, I've had a problem with. I, I, I had no problem with all the measures taken to control the virus. You got to do that. You wear your mask, you socially distance, you wash your hands, you, you, you keep your immune system up. You do all these things. That's why I was, that's why, that's why I said it wasn't healthy to promote obesity in the black community. Back when we had that whole Lizzo conversation, remember people said I was fat shaming and slut shaming and all these other stupid words they make up to try to keep people from having freedom of speech. When they're trying to oppress you, they call you names and label you, right? So they were labeling me as a fat, as a fat shamer when I said, you know, black people are dying all the time from obesity. It makes us vulnerable to illnesses when we have obesity running rampant through the community because everybody thinks that eating a pop Popeye's chicken sandwich is the same as eating a bowl of goddamn lettuce, right? Like we really think Popeye's chicken is health food, right? So, so literally, uh, you know, I was saying, hey, you know, if, if a pandemic comes along or if something occurs or you get hit with an illness and you're not taking care of your body, guess what happens? Your ass is dead, right? But they called it fat shaming. Well, I'm like, okay, well then you want black people to die then apparently. You happy when black people die. And so two months later, three months later, the pandemic hits and guess who's at the top of the pile of people that are being hit the hardest? You know, uh, it, you know the, the virus was hitting everybody. It's knocking on doors. It's like, it's like a criminal knocking on the door to see which doors are open Like because criminals can't get in a locked up house, right? So when your immune system's healthy, that's like a locked house. So the criminal tries to pull at the door. There's bars on the windows. They can't get in. They're like, damn. So they go to the house where the door's open, right? Well, you done left the front porch wide open. They ain't even got a screen on your door. Didn't lock nothing, didn't they? So you let people and you have the unhealthy immune system where they can attack, 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 attack. Next thing you know, we're dying, right? And, and now I'm not making fun of anybody who's been hit by this. My God, I've dealt with obesity myself. I've been fighting it my whole life. I'm still fighting it, right? But, but I'm fighting it. I'm not wearing it as a goddamn badge of honor. I'm not walking around saying that anybody who challenges me to go run a little more, oh, you're fat shaming. You know, Alicia says, hey, boys, why don't we get up and run a few miles? You look like you're putting on a little weight. You fat shaming raggedy ass bitch. What's wrong with you? You trying to mess up my self-esteem? Yeah, no. She loves me. That's why she's telling me to do better. Just newsflash, newsflash. Let me just make sure. This is where I, I agree with people like Chris Rock, where we, we align ideologically. When people push you to do better, it's because they tend to care about you. People who don't care about you are the ones who tell you to keep doing what you're doing. Keep drinking yourself into a coma. Keep smoking. Here, have some more crack, right? Or here, keep feeling sorry for yourself. Don't try to do better. Don't try to learn how to read. Reading is for white people. Just you a poor little black boy. You can't do nothing. At least you ain't in jail, right? At least you ain't in jail, right? So, so that's what we do. We literally allow these damn liberals. That's why I'm not a liberal because I'm like, shit. I became a liberal and they gave me a wheelchair without even finding out if I could walk, right? They, they, I walked through the door. They're giving me a long list of excuses. I'm like, damn, I could be a deadbeat dad and they'll have an excuse for that. Uh, I could be an alcoholic. There's an excuse for that. I could go beat my woman. There's an excuse for that. As long as I'm beating a black woman, I'll be the white woman. I'm gonna go to jail. But I'll be the black woman, then shit. I I could just I just tell them how oppressed I am and how hard it is to be black. I could go out here, I could be a thug, I could be illiterate, I could just not get off the couch and refuse to work and provide for my family, and they'll have excuse, 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 excuse. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that. I don't, that's very depressing. So that, so if you ever wonder why black people leave the country in, in levels of depression, it's because you've been taught to be powerless. You've been taught to believe that you can't control the outcomes in your life. So I believe in things like accountability. So if that means, if that makes me a fucking conservative, then fuck it. Call me voice conservative, the conservative Watkins. I don't give a fuck. Right. So, so let's keep going. So Chris Rock, 
who I also think has some values. I mean, God forbid a black man who believes in things like family and, 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 and having a solid black culture. I mean, my God, like he might, he must be a Trump supporter. Um, he goes into deeper and he goes deeper and he talks about, uh, let's see, he says, uh, he says, Republicans tell outright lies, which is true. He said, Democrats leave out key pieces of truth that will lead to a more nuanced argument. In a sense, it's all fake news. That's absolutely hundred percent true. That, that's the big problem you know, for it, that any intelligent person is going to have with the way the world is operating right now. When I watch MSNBC, I'm literally rubbing my temple the whole time as they're twisting the truth to try to make things into something that it's not. Like I remember seeing somebody that said that anybody who's asked to go to work during the pandemic is a victim of state-sanctioned murder. I said, are you fucking kidding me. Are you serious right now? Did you really just say that they're murdering you by asking you to get up and go to work if you want to go provide for your family? Like just even allowing you to go to work? Like you you what you're you you so so because you're scared because you're a hypochondriac or whatever and you want to stay in your house forever because you've only got a 99.9% chance. You've only got a 99.9% chance of surviving today. So you want to stay home and hide under your bed. Nothing wrong with that. Do you you do you but freedom means that I can do me. That if you work at Walmart and you don't want to come to work, then Walmart can give me your job because I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. I know people that get up every day and go to work in neighborhoods where there's a 1% chance that you might get shot or carjacked that day. There are real neighborhoods like that, right? So, 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 you know, so really there are just some people that say, you know, I'm gonna wash my hands. I'm gonna put on my mask. I'm a social distance. I ain't gonna take no chances because I ain't stupid, but I don't see leaving the house to be equivalent to death. You see, we have these people called, I don't know, soldiers who have who've gone to war, who where they were told, you know, you're going to go on this bombing run and 30% of you probably won't make it back, right? You do know that there have been soldiers who've done that, right? Shout out to the soldiers that are in here. God bless all of you. I'm, I'll never disrespect a soldier. I just want y'all to know that. And so so, 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 so the, you've had soldiers go to battle knowing that they have a 30% chance of not surviving, maybe even higher than that, and they still went to battle. Does that mean they're stupid or crazy? No, it just means that they felt that the benefits outweighed the risk. They took a calculated risk and said, you know, this is important. I got to do this. I don't want to do it, but I got to do it because I want to provide or protect something. I want to protect my family. I want to provide for my family, whatever it is, right? So I think that when you when all this happened, it wasn't that the, the, that all this wasn't real. I, I think this virus was very real. There are a thousand viruses I can yell at you about every single day uh, from HIV in Atlanta and other places. I mean, you want to go, you want to have a good conversation. One day, let's have a conversation about the fact that HIV in Atlanta is damn near as common as the fucking common cold, it seems like. Like where, where there are groups, there are pockets of people, pockets of infections where literally there are people who will say, oh, all my friends have HIV. Everybody got HIV, right? I'm not kidding. Like I heard somebody have this conversation and it freaked me out. It really just made me say, my God, I will never, ever, I won't even put my penis out in the city to use the bathroom. Like seriously, I, I no disrespect. If you live there, I, I won't scare you, but you need to just know that, that it's, it's, it's crazy out here, right? So, so the, the, thing, the point of the matter is to say that it's one thing to acknowledge what's going on right? We know this, right? It's another thing to act like it's the like most deadly thing in the world and that we're all going to die. And then to do it in a way where you're not really concerned about killing people's jobs. You're not really concerned about all the families that won't get to eat. You're not concerned about people that are going to lose their house. You're concerned about winning an election, 
right there in Chris Rock's home state, Mar uh, Governor Cuomo. I keep calling him Mario Cuomo because that's his daddy. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, that's it. And he's, he's got Chris Cuomo, his brother. I get them mixed up. They're all the same. They they all look alike. <laughs> so so all the, all the Cuomos, right? So so Mar so so see, I did it again. Andrew Cuomo is a guy that's really interesting to me because you saw how dramatic, how crazed out he was when he literally said that leaving your house equals death. I don't know if you remember that. He was saying leaving your house is death. Walking out the house is death. If you do that, that's death. That's death. And you could tell he was doing it in a way that was rehearsed. He was doing it in a way that was designed to scare the shit out of people. So then now that, you know, the, the, the virus is really under control in New York. The infection rate is virtually not non-existent. And now though, he's traumatized people so much that a lot of New Yorkers left for good. They're not, they're not coming back. But what's interesting to me too, is I thought it was very fascinating how now it's like, now he gets to be this hero that led us through this scary traumatic situation. And here's what that is. All that, what, I, what I'm gonna just tell you, what I really see is I see people who are creating a problem so they can solve it and make themselves look good. Right? They're creating a problem so they can solve it and make themselves look good. The virus is real. Like most conspiracies, you may not know this, but most conspiracies start off with an element of truth. Like most conspiracies, very few conspiracies start off with absolute no truth at all. What they'll do is they'll take a little tiny bit of truth. Like, okay, there's this virus that came out of China that's infected some people and it's, it's something that you shouldn't be playing with. And, but then they'll extrapolate on that and they'll build it into something bigger than what it needed to be. Right. And so so I will say to you, here's here's what I believe. I don't believe this till the day I die. I believe that all of this was exaggerated and pushed out of proportion because they had one goal and their goal was to get into the White House. Now, I don't care if they if they playing dirty politics with each other. The, the thing that bothered me most is that it affected people's lives. I know people who lost homes because of this. I know people who lost businesses because of this, people who have no hope because of this. There are, do you know that the, the, the therapy clinics where people go get therapy to see psychologists, do you know those clinics are filled to capacity now from all the young people who are traumatized, depressed, suicidal, because they lost their childhood. They lost their youth. They can't even go to a damn party without somebody telling them that, you are, that you're going to murder somebody because you decided that you wanted to shake somebody's hand. Like, like this is what's happening right now. You go to most downtowns. Has any, give me a yes or no if you've seen this. Give me a yes or no if you've seen this. I was in downtown Louisville, right where Breonna Taylor was killed. And I was going jogging through downtown Louisville. Everything, all the businesses like were half open, shut down, boarded up to the point where they'd have a big sign saying, we're open. And I'd be like, how are they open? They're, they're boarded up all the way around and then have a little door. The little CVS had a little tiny door that you could walk through. And I was like, wow, they really are open. They do not look open. None of this looks open. This looks like I saw this scene in the movie um, The Walking Dead. When it's a, an apocalyptic zombie movie where, where, where all of you also society's like been destroyed because of the zombies and it looked like that it looked like a dead downtown when i was in seattle it was dead we're walking around ain't no police around the, the homeless dude there was a homeless dude almost had to fuck him up because this guy followed me and my my goddaughter like six blocks right and i'm just like am i gonna have to kill somebody today like am i gonna am i gonna be on the news now like like what the hell man and so so it's just kind of like the cities have just fallen apart society's just falling apart and, and i believe that it didn't have to be this way I believe that you could have pr protected people, controlled the virus, and allowed life to go on. I, I, and I, and I, I'll believe this to the end of time. And, and, and I, I think it's, it's appalling 
that people were using this for political purposes, that they were scaring people deliberately just so they can make sure that they won the election. Also, I mean, you saw little peeps of this, right? Like one minute, it's like, no, we, you can't get together for church because that's the same as death. But then when you protest, it's like, oh, yeah, go protest. Go burn buildings down. Go go hit a cop in the head. Go go pop a cop in the face with a brick and, and bust a window and burn down a building. Like they're, they're encouraging this stuff. And I'm, I'm just stunned. I was so stunned by what I was seeing. Like, wait, you said that we can't go to work or we can't go to church. But you're telling everybody how proud you are that everybody went out in the street to protest. Does the virus not show up when people are protesting? Is that what it is? Like the virus doesn't work when it do, you can't get infected if you're a protester? Is that how this works? So I, I just think it's stupid. It's, it, it, to me, it's all stupid. It's not that it's not real, but it's stupid. The way we handled it was stupid. The cure was worse than the problem, than the virus. The solution was worse than the problem. The, 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 whatever you did to, to fix it was worse than what you were actually fixing in the first place. So, um, so, so with Chris Rock, you know, I, I like his interview. I, I read more. I'm reading here that he said he's talking about. Oh, he made a really good point about white people think you know and what they think of as privilege and what black people see as privilege. And he made a good point. I wish I could find the quote in front of me. But basically, he said that this idea that somehow we're doing better, that we're making progress because black people are not getting beat as much. He said that's only progress for white people, right? Like you're 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 giving yourself credit, patting yourselves on the back because yeah, we used to beat the shit out of black people. Now 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 we don't do it as much, right? And for black people, it's not progress. It's like no, we, you're treating us like human beings now. Thank you, but but that's not really progress. That's progress for you, not progress for us because we were human beings all along. And uh, and so I'm, I'm, as I'm reading here, he talks about racism. He says racism is real. It's not going away. As I I, I said this before, but Obama becoming the president. That's progress for white people. It's not progress for black people. He said, it's a Jackie Robinson thing. It's written like he broke a barrier as if there weren't black people that could play before him. And that's how white people have learned about racism. They think when these people work hard enough, they'll be like Jackie. And the real narrative should be that these people, the black people, are being abused by a group of people that are mentally handicapped. And we're trying to get them past their mental handicaps to see that all people are equal. So, so maybe it's progress for white people, right? Like, like your racism is a mental illness. Uh, your hatred of people that you don't even know is your mental illness. That's not the problem of black people. Now, I've told you guys, I think that a more creative solution to racism is to just really analyze the systems that you're committed to and break away from those systems. Most racism that you feel comes from the fact that many of you work for a white man. Many of you are in a, in a situation or have been in situations where white people control some part of your life. So I can just tell you right now, if you want to insulate your child from at least 80, 90% of the racism in this society, teach them to work for themselves. Especially if you're raising a black boy. You might, if you're raising a black boy, it's critically important that you teach that boy. Because uh, black women, you know, like a black woman who's attractive or something, you know, like the white man loves the black woman the way all of us do. So, so, so black women can kind of elevate a little more. Also, gay black men, the studies show that, that gay black men can get a little mobility. But, but if you are a standard heterosexual black man who's masculine and got some bass in your voice, you're going to have a battle on your hands. You're not going to get the same opportunities as everybody else, because you will be seen as a threat from the minute you walk through that door. And, uh, and, and don't let him, don't, don't let him get in there and have Becky be trying to hit on him and stuff. Next thing you know, he'd be coming down with some, on some me too stuff. <laughs> It'll be like, wait, well, did you, did you sleep with her? Uh, yeah, she, she wanted to sleep with me. 
okay, well, well that, sir, that means you are a rapist. You are as bad as a rapist. Like, like, like literally, it's, it's to the point where literally he goes to work, your son goes to work, He's a, he's the senior manager, you know, like he's the, the, the head of like, you know, car doors at, at Ford or something. And so he's seen as attractive because all the women want to date the guy who's in charge of fixing the doors at the Ford plant. And next thing you know, they're, they're throwing WAP at him, right? Because Cardi B done told him that WAP, WAP goes for $1.95. I mean, she, she done pushed down the price of WAP. She flooding the market. Like the hoes are flooding the market, right? So she, so so they they throwing that WAP at him, right? Being empowered women throwing that WAP. And next thing you know, your son is catching the WAP. And before you know it, next thing you know, so all it takes is one person to get mad at him. And then he gets painted as some sort of predator because he simply accepted invitations that were offered to him right? Just by doing what human beings do when they're attracted to each other, she's seen as the victim, he's seen as the predator. And that's because we still as a country haven't gotten over the, the, this, this really long-held notion that the black man is the ultimate predator. The black man scares people when we walk through the door. So I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want to protect your sons, teach your sons how to invest, teach them how to own property, and teach them how to start businesses and, and, and work with other black men so they can be protected and insulated from false accusations. Because if he gets accused of one thing, it doesn't matter if it's true or not, he's going down. Accusations are enough to take down a black man. So let me keep going. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. If you haven't hit the thumbs up button, please hit the thumbs up button. Uh, let me keep going here. Um, so he, he's, he talks about Jackie Robinson. In the Jackie Robinson story, I used to be inspired by that, but I'm not inspired anymore because I don't see that as progress. I don't think that being around white people makes you a better person. So I, I, I completely reject that whole paradigm that white people accepting us for something means that we've made progress. No, it means they've made progress. They, they actually can now, they're, they're now capable of identifying talented people because we've always had the talent. We've always had the golden goose. We've always been the sweet spot of society and any culture that we've ever belonged to. Uh, also, the Jackie Robinson story is really a tragedy because uh, because you believed his ice was colder, you, you totally threw away the entire Negro Leagues where you had the best athletes in the world. Also, one Negro could get a job. Also, the one guy could get a job, you threw away an entire industry. So you, so let me just give you a little bit. I'm a PhD in finance. You guys know this. So let me just give you a little bit of financial advice. Never throw away an industry in exchange for a job, right? Never. Now, if you control the game, you don't throw away the game that you control so that you can go play somebody else's game where they're making up all the rules and they, and they, and they get to eat the big piece of chicken every day and you get the scraps. You don't do that. Like, cause now you got Negroes running around here, multi-million dollar black people, hundred million dollars in the bank talking about, we can't start a league. We don't know what to do. Maybe one day they'll let us own a team or own a piece of a team, or maybe they'll let us in. Why are you begging? Why? It says a black man, like with all the talent you have, all the power you have, all the money that you're, you guys are getting every year, a dozen, a couple dozen black dudes sign hundred million, two hundred million dollar contracts. All that money you got, you can't start a damn league. I mean, you playing football, all you need is a field and a ball. Like you can't get a field and a ball and say, "Hey y'all," like we used to do when we were little. Remember, when you were little, you'd be like, "Hey y'all, we're gonna be playing at the at the at the field today at two o'clock," and you would just show up, and, and everybody shows up. Next thing you know, you got a game, right? Or you say when you go to the court. Hey, hey, man, I'll see you at the court today at five o'clock. Okay, so you get there and you be like, I got next. Next thing you know, you got a game going. It ain't complicated. It ain't rocket science. It ain't even algebra. You have the talent 
and you got a big chunk of the money. And then there are white people who are intelligent enough to see how amazing you are so you can go out and raise money. Ice Cube, and this is shout out to Ice Cube. This is why I was happy to have the brother on my channel. I don't care that he, because he's a rapper. He's a great rapper, but that's not why I wanted him. I was glad Ice Cube came in because I love that how Ice Cube just told you, yeah, me and some other guys got together and raised $10 billion to buy a sports network, and then we started the big three. If he could do that by himself, why can't 10, 15 dudes get together who are all worth $200 million a piece and just form a damn league tomorrow? What are you afraid of? What are you waiting for? Seriously, are you waiting for a permission slip? Somebody going give, to give you the blessing? Like, what are you waiting for? What are you scared of? Your grandchildren and un, unborn great-grandchildren are waiting for you to make a fucking move so you can leave a legacy just like the NFL owners, their grandparents and great-grandparents started a league 100 years ago that is now worth probably a trillion dollars or more. I don't know how much the NFL is worth in its entirety, but it's a whole lot of money. A whole lot. Of, Chicago Bears were purchased for $500. They are now worth about $3.5 billion. So put it, scared money don't make money. Stop being a coward. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. I want to remind you guys, I want to let you guys know one thing we want to do in the Black Business School. Um, I noticed a lot of young people have times where I love, I love doing my Uncle Boy stuff, just so you guys know where I answer questions. I love answering questions about life and just sharing what I know in case it helps you make better decisions, whatever I can do for you. So what I decided to do is that we have this program in the Black Business School called Black Keys to Greatness. And it normally has a fee and there's a price attached to it. But actually, I decided I want to let you in for free. So anybody who, uh, who, who can learn or gain something from my advice uh, for this month, you can go and you can literally join for free, a free lifetime membership. It won't cost you anything. You'll, you'll see the, I mean, the fee, the lifetime fee is normally $9.99 or whatever. It's, it costs you nothing. So if you want to go join, go to blackkeystogreatness.com. That's blackkeystogreatness.com, blackkeystogreatness.com. This is where I cover everything from time management, motivation, overcoming obstacles, dealing with haters. Literally, these are the strategies I use to achieve my goals. Literally, I mean, it wasn't easy becoming the only black man in the entire country to get a PhD in finance during the year 2002. That year, there was no other African-American I've ever met anywhere who got that degree that year. It was that fucking hard. And it required me to gain a special set of tools and skills to be able to overcome all the obstacles they threw at me. So I documented all of that because I want you to just have the game for success. So everybody, I, I'm thinking about young people who don't have Uncle Boyce to kind of cheer you on and give you information. Uh, but if you're not young, that's fine. You can join. So somebody please type that in. It's blackkeystogreatness.com, blackkeystogreatness.com. Totally free. Won't cost you a penny. You can sign up. You have a free lifetime membership. I promise you. Just no strings attached. Just go sign up. And there's a ton of stuff in there. And we'll also have special Uncle Boyce meetings where I'll just answer questions and help you in every way that I can. Okay, so let me see here. Jay Bando Production says, but J-Lo and A-Rod were priced out of the Mets by Cohen. So they truly block us from owning, but upping the price to $6 billion is too expensive for that team. Yeah, well, I don't really want to own the Mets. I, why would I want to own the Mets? I'd rather own a black league. So I, I think that when you um, are trying to get a ticket to, uh, to the movie, um, why not just own the damn movie theater? Or if you're trying to get somebody to make you the star of a movie, 
why not do what Tyler Perry did and just make the damn movie and then make yourself the star, right? That's what Tyler does, right? Tyler, you, you look at a Tyler Perry movie, it says written by Tyler Perry, directed by Tyler Perry, produced by Tyler Perry, you know, black woman number two, Tyler Perry, black, black woman at the cash register, Tyler Perry, right? He, he plays every single character damn near, you know, so, so you can do that, right? So, so I just encourage you, um, instead of making other people into your economic and political gods, uh, find the God in you and create sy- systems where you can, if you want to rig the game, you can rig the game and put yourself on top. I mean, they ain't nothing wrong with a little black privilege up in here. We, we dealt with white privilege long enough. Create black privilege. You can do that, but you must learn how to create systems. You, 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 the problem is for many of us, we were trained to be employees. That's not going to make us strong. That's not what's going to make us powerful. So let me read more about what Chris Rock wrote here or uh, what he said. He says, uh, let's see, uh, he says, hey, man, I'm, fr-. okay, he says, the entertainment industry is having a, a reckoning. Rock was asked about Jimmy Fallon's decades-old clip in which the late-night host portrayed him in blackface. He says, hey, man, I'm friends with Jimmy. Jimmy's a great guy, and he didn't mean anything. Rock replied, a lot of people want to say intention doesn't matter, but it does, and I don't think Jimmy Fallon intended to hurt me, and he didn't. Uh, there's, so, so, you know, I, I, I kind of, I get that to a point in the sense that I think Jimmy Fallon learned pretty quickly or was reminded pretty quickly that what he did with the blackface thing wasn't cool. Um, and, and we can't say that racism didn't play some part in all of that. But I also think at the same time, um, I think that we have to stop being overly triggered by white people. I just really think that, um, that when you behave in an overly triggered fashion by what white people do, that unfortunately means you could be contributing to white supremacy. You're contributing to white supremacy because what you're effectively saying, when you stop what you're doing every time a white person says something to offend you, what you're doing is you're telling them inadvertently that your opinion matters more than the black person next to me. A black person can say the same damn thing. A black person call you the N-word, it don't matter. White person calls you the N-word, suddenly you want to quit, you want to get fired from your job, go to jail. Oh, I'm oh, I'm going to jail today, right? You know, you're ready to fight and all this other stuff. And and I will personally say that, you know, with, with Chris Rock and his response to Jimmy Fallon, um, I honestly think if you really want to truly earn your equality, so to speak, whatever you want to call that, um, equality also means I think that you can say, you know what, I'm equal to the white man. It, it may be better in many ways, however you want to look at it. I'm not judging. But it means like if he says something negative about me, I'm going to react the same way he would react if I said something negative about him. So if he calls me the N-word, and I'm thinking, well, should I get triggered and act a damn fool? Or should I keep on eating my salad, right? Well, you know, I would ask myself, okay, <clears throat> what would he do if I called him a cracker? Like, what, how would the white man behave? Do you, would, would the white man, have you ever seen a white man get real ghetto and, you know, like a, a white executive? If you're walking down the street and a white man with his family who's getting out of his bins, here's you call him a cracker. Is he going to go crazy and try to fight you and go to jail and, and all this other stuff and, and embarrass himself? Or is he just going to ignore you and keep going, right? So, so I, I personally think that this whole idea of being triggered by white people, I think that's a distraction. Um, I think people that easily that spend their time fighting everything and fighting everybody, what you're kind of doing is you're celebrating with the other person's greatness. Like when we run around talking about what white people did, they did this to me, they did that to me, they did this to us, they did that to us. We think that we're, we're battling them by telling people what they did, but really actually what you're doing is you're actually celebrating how powerful they are. 
you're you're advertising to other black people like look this is what they can do they can shut down your business so then black people other black people be like dang well maybe i shouldn't try because 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 white man i heard about him he he'd be shutting down people's businesses and stuff right so i i personally think that the spirit of competition means that you learn that when your your adversary makes a move you just make a counter move when somebody comes at you and tries to undermine what you're doing you just do it anyway right? That's what real power actually looks like. When Dr. Claude Anderson, by the way, Dr. Claude is coming on tomorrow, Thursday <clears throat> at, uh, at 1.15 p.m. Eastern, or sorry, 1.15 p.m. Central. It's Central, so it's 2.15 p.m. Eastern, uh, but I'll, I'll double check it. I'll make sure uh, I'll let you guys know about that. But Dr. Claude Anderson in Poweronomics, first thing he does is he describes what power is, and he explains that power is the ability to pursue your agenda despite the opposition of others, despite the opposition of others. It doesn't mean that. So if you're a person that can only pursue your agenda when you have no opposition from others, then that, then you don't have any real power. You know, you're, you're like the little, anybody ever see the, see the basketball games where the poor little disabled kid always wanted to score a basket. So the other team, so they'll give them the ball and the other team will like pretend to play defense, but they're really not playing defense. And the, and the kids on the other, on his team will make sure he gets the ball. And if he misses, then they'll give him the ball again. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> they'll give him the ball again and he'll shoot again and, until he finally hits and then everybody goes crazy when he scores like he won the championship right well, well sometimes black people we position ourselves like the little disabled kid no disrespect if you have somebody disabled in your family i am not on any level making fun of of those who have uh, disabilities or who are specially abled i think that's the term that people use now <clears throat> what i'm saying is that you're not disabled you're not the disabled kid you are a competitor the, the best thing they can do to show respect to you is to battle you head-to-head, toe-to-toe. When James Baldwin had a debate with this guy named William F. Buckley in the 1960s, Buckley was basically like the Bill O'Reilly of the 1960s. I'm not going to say the Donald Trump of the 60s because Trump is kind of stupid in, in a lot of ways. Uh, imagine an intelligent but an intelligent prick of a Republican, right? That's why he was a prick, but he was a smart prick. He wasn't stupid. He used long, fancy words. And he had a debate in London with James Baldwin. And one of the things I liked about this debate is that even though those two guys didn't agree on hardly anything, one of the things he first acknowledged was he said, I'm going to show the ultimate form of respect to this man by not debating him as, as if he's some sort of black inferior person. I'm not going to talk to him like black people are inferior. I'm going to debate him the way I would. I'm going to punch him out the same way I would a guy who's my equal, right? And I like that. I really think that that, to me, honestly, is a sign of respect, honestly. I, I really do. So I think that re- really when, when you are in a competitive situation, your opponent shows respect for you when they battle you heads up. But when they start making allowances for you, getting out of the way, you know, cheering for you every time you score a point, right? They're not really your competitor. They're just kind of your enabler. They're enabling your disability and your weakness. So, so don't let people do that. Just go ahead and go in there and fight. You can do it. You can win. So um, here's a couple more things. Let me see here. Uh, what else did Chris Rock say? Um, I think I, it looks like the conservative outlets are trying to make this into an interview where he uh, he was criticizing the Democratic Party over the pandemic. I don't think he was criticizing the Dem- the Democratic Party. Um, I think that he was basically saying that Trump is stupid and you guys should have jumped in and stopped Trump from doing stupid stuff. Uh, I think he was criticizing everybody. I think that he's basically doing what I think an intelligent person would do, which is what, and he's an intelligent guy. He's saying that all this is stupid. I mean, he's basically saying, look, the Republicans lie. The Democrats give you half truths. Um, He also 
you know, basically seemed to, I think he seems to get that this pandemic thing was used for political purposes. I would argue that if it wasn't an election year, this, the pandemic issue would not have become such a critical issue, right? I don't, I don't think it would have been such a lightning rod in terms of the public dialogue. I think that if this had happened a year ago, it would have been an issue to deal with and we would have fixed it and we would have moved on, right? So that's what I want to do. I want to fix it and move on. And after the election's over, I believe Biden's going to win. Once Biden wins, Biden, his team's going to make themselves into the hero because they're going to come up with a plan and the pandemic is going to slowly go away. Well, really what's going to happen is this is going to disappear from the public consciousness. It'll still be there. There'll still be people catching it and dying from it, but they don't want the economy to completely die. Not on, not on Biden's watch. They'll murder the economy on Trump's watch, but they won't murder on Biden's watch. So right now the Democrats to me are doing exactly what the Republicans did when Obama got elected. When, when Obama got elected, the Republicans threw a complete temper tantrum they acted a fool. They got mad over every little issue. They did everything they could to sabotage the, the, the world and then blame it on Obama, right? So also Obama couldn't get anything done so they could gain power. Now the Democrats are doing exactly what the Republicans did. So they really are two wings of the same bird. Um, why am I not a liberal? I'm not a liberal because I think uh, that things like family are more important than anything else. Uh, black people need institutions. So we also need businesses. Um, I think that's very important. I don't hear um, the Democrats really promoting the idea of really building black businesses. They want you to get more jobs. Um, I believe that institutions, I believe black people should have our own schools. Uh, so I'm a, a more of a nationalist. I believe in sovereignty. I believe we should educate our own children, create our own jobs and support our own businesses. Right. So, so, so the, the Democrats don't buy into that. They believe in this bullshit of equality and this blend and we're all the same. And this rainbow thing is, is no, I, I don't, I don't believe in any of that. I believe that we have a competitive society. I want black people to be able to compete. Right. Um, I, I'm not, I don't believe uh, in, in, in putting Black Lives Matter in, in, in a school, in a classroom. I think that you could, I think that Black children should, can learn about Blackness, I think starting with their parents, and they can learn a little bit at school, even though the school's going to teach it wrong. Um, I don't like Black Lives Matter as an organization. I see the game. The game is that Black Lives Matter is basically engaging in a form of cultural, of, uh, I wouldn't say appropriation. Appropriation is when they steal your culture. They're not trying to steal your culture. They're trying to give you a cultural STD. They're trying to infect your culture. They're basically trying to basically inject themselves into your culture and infect you with whatever their ideologies are, right? So when they use their terminology, if you go to blacklivesmatter.org, I encourage you to go to their website. Just go to their website. They don't even hide it. They, they don't hide it. They're like the guy that shows up with gonorrhea and says, hey, I need you to look at the green stuff on my penis because I need you to know what's about to go in your body, right? And, and you're not, but you don't do it because you're so horny. You're so happy somebody's spending time with you that you ain't even checking. You ain't even checking the test results, right? You just want somebody there, right? So you're just so happy anybody is picking up your issue that you'll take support from anybody. Well, that's a very dangerous thing to do in politics. That's like a politician accepting an endorsement from any group. No, if the KKK endorses you and you're white, that's going to cause a problem, right? So some endorsements you don't want, some support you don't want, some some pe some people coming through willing to pay the bills, you don't want them paying the bills. Like if your daughter goes on a date, don't let any little boy pay her bills because that's going to be a problem later on when he's asking for a return on his investment. So basically, the Black Lives Matter organization, not the people in it, the people in it are good people. This is not a, a disrespect, a diss on you if you have stated Black Lives Matter or worn a shirt that says Black Lives Matter. I believe that you've been misled. I believe you've been misled because the organization itself, in terms of the core values that are on their website, when I read through those core values, 
values, I read a lot of that same liberal terminology, like, you know, cisgender privilege, right? I saw, uh, you know, things about sexual and gender identity, like everywhere. I didn't see not one mention of the importance of black fathers at all. Right? So I believe in black fathers, which is another reason why I can't be a liberal because y'all apparently think black daddies don't matter. Well, I'm a black daddy. Black men are standing the fuck up. Just be clear. Just be clear. Black men, y'all gonna have a problem in this election. Black men, I, the guys I know, uh, and I got a lot of guys that follow me. I don't have millions. I don't have millions, but I got a few hundred thousand. I got a, I got a lot of partners out here that will take a bullet for me, that will feed me if I'm hungry, that will protect me if I need it. I see y'all. I go I, every city I go to. I see you on the street. You driving by in the garbage truck. You're like, Doctor Boys, right? These guys are not the. They're not the black men that you knew 20 years ago. Black men, shout out to all y'all because black men are standing up and rising up again. We are coming back from the devastation that occurred in our community during Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, crime bill, mass incarceration that occurred in the 1990s. We're coming back from that and black men are coming back strong and they are totally upset in the apple cart and the liberals can't stand it because they are a deeply feminized sort of entity they're not into this whole idea of they can't process the black male masculinity without calling it toxic or scary or bad right so black men i just think it's amazing like what you're really seeing right now is you're really seeing a very subtle quiet revolution it's political it's economic it's family-based you got millions of black men getting on instagram showing that the time they're spending with their children black fatherhood it has never hasn't been this popular since the 1950s right black fatherhood is, is popular black men making money is popular black men starting businesses is popular black men loving black women is popular like our community is really doing some amazing things so i think no matter who wins the election i don't even care who wins the election I don't even care who wins the election. To me, that's, that's a battle of one group of white people against the other. I, it, do, it doesn't matter. No matter who wins the election, black people have already won. So just give yourselves a round of applause in the chat because black people have already won the fucking election. And I could not be prouder of everybody, man. I, I think that we are doing something that is amazing and historic and they just don't know what to do with this. They do not know what to do with this. So I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to go upstairs, and my woman bought me some food. That's why she can't. That's why I smile, because she bought me some food that I really like. But I'm not going to tell y'all what it is, because y'all going to start making fun of me for eating this shit. So you have a good night, guys. And uh, <clears throat> once again, like I said, that class, is I, I decided to make it totally free. Um, I think it's really good. I like the curriculum. I put it together. If you want help in terms of motivation, overcoming uh, obstacles, setting goals, dealing with haters, like everything I could think of, I put it in here in like a curriculum, because I felt like we need life school. Like, I think as black people, we need, you know, like school on how to just deal with life, how to succeed, how to win, how to achieve. And, and you're not going to get it from white people. You're not going to get it on your job. You're not going to get it. Maybe some of you won't get it from your family. So I'd like to offer that to you. So it's totally free. Won't cost you a penny. Feel free to go sign up. You can go to blackkeystogreatness.com. That's blackkeystogreatness.com. Blackkeystogreatness.com. I'll say it three times. Somebody please type it in the chat so everybody can have it. I'm out of here. Have a good night. Thank you guys for listening. And Chris Rock, if you're watching, keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I, I respect you a lot, brother. If you ever reach out, I'll be happy to talk to you. So take care, guys. Have a good night. I will see you soon. Take care. Peace.